Good morning and welcome once again to our remote worship, if you would. And this morning as we have gathered for worship and prepared to hear the Word of God, let me just remind you that in your online worship guide, immediately after it, you will find an outline for this morning's message. Now, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to think about two words that characterize your faith during the past month or six weeks. And as you're doing that, let me say that about three weeks ago, I was in my quiet time, and I was reading, I came to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, and there Paul tells the Corinthian church, he says to them literally, be courageous and be strong. That seemed to me a lot like a command. And I knew that in the past weeks, I hadn't been that. So I began to think about how does that work normally? And then especially how does it work in time like these? I thought about Joshua. I thought about Joshua, who by all accounts had been a tested, strong, and courageous leader. And yet, when he was transitioning to take over leadership from Moses. Five times in the book of Deuteronomy, in the first chapter of Joshua, Joshua is commanded by God to be strong and courageous, not to be frightened and dismayed. Maybe those are the kind of two words that you picked to characterize your faith in the past month or so. Well, in my own wrestling, I was drawn back to Joshua 1 to remind myself about God's prescription for Joshua, God's prescription for me, and God's prescription for us. So if you would, together, let's look at the Word of God as we find it in the first chapter of the book of Joshua, and then in chapter 16 and verse 13 of 1 Corinthians. Hear now the Word of the living God. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river Euphrates to the land of the Hittites and the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then 
you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then 1 Corinthians 16, 13. The Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians says this, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, I confess that at times like these, those words come to me with a very real challenge. And as we look at your word this morning, we pray that it would be you by your Holy Spirit mediating that word through the preaching, through the preaching of the word to our hearts, that we might understand what you were calling us to be and how that is to become a reality in our lives. So this morning, as we are separated one from another, we realize that you are gathered to us, that you are with us. And so in that presence of your spirit, enable us to worship, enable us to hear you, enable us to rise from this time as changed people. And we ask and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You might recall the devotion that David read from Spurgeon this morning in preparation for worship. There was one line in that devotion that shortly after I read 1 Corinthians 16 caught my attention. Spurgeon said we ought to be afraid of being afraid. Well, when I grew up, I grew up with an overprotected mother and grandmother. It was always, don't do this, you might get hurt. You need to be careful, watch out. Oh, you can't have a penknife yet, you might cut yourself. That was sort of the environment that was around me. But the environment that I grew up with, with my peer group, the worst thing in the world that you could be called in that group was a chicken. To be afraid, to be afraid in Sandlot football, that's where we played in those days, without pads and without helmet, to be afraid to stick your head in and really give a hard tackle. I was afraid to do that. Or in a game of follow the leader, you would chicken out and you wouldn't be able to do that challenging thing the guy leading it did. And the group would look at you and say, hey, man, you're chicken. Well, I didn't like that. I didn't like being called that. When I was a teenager, I bought a book called Understanding Fear. I read that book trying to understand fear. It didn't help that much because I was still afraid. But in an effort to overcome my fear, sure enough, being urged not to play football, I, I played football. And I broke my collarbone. So was the warning something I should have hated? Or was that just the normal course of life? And then, after I graduated from college, it was I was going to join the infantry and I was going to go to airborne training. And again, the chorus came, don't do that, you might get hurt. Well, the fact of the matter is I did a lot of those things to prove that I could face fear and I wasn't afraid. But you know what? In a lot of those things, I was afraid. And what happened is I sort of concluded that fear was sort of a natural part of life. And there are certain times when 
It was a good thing to be afraid. It was a good thing to have that fear so that you could deal with the situation in a really rational way. In normal days, all the days of our lives, we're going to have situations where we're going to need to be strong and to be courageous. Now, I remember my time in Vietnam, the vast majority of the days that I was there, I had to deal with fear. Some of them a lot more than others. And a lot of days it would be, hey, I wonder if I'm going to make it till tomorrow. So this command that comes to us in 1 Corinthians and over and over again in Joshua 1 seems to me to demand a supernatural solution. Not a natural solution. I tried on the natural solution for a long time. So the question comes to us this morning in this way. Is there something that I can do, something that we can do to be strong and to be courageous? Now, I don't want to confuse, if you would, being and doing, get those things confused this morning. But what I want you to see is that Joshua is being called to be something, to be strong and courageous. And as God calls him to do that, he gives Joshua some things that he needs to do. He needs to understand what he needs to do to become what he's called to be. Now, for Joshua, it starts the same place as it does for us. For Joshua, it started with faith in the person of God. In other words, it, it started with believing. In verses 1 and 2, Joshua is now dealing directly with Yahweh. Yahweh has dealt with Joshua before. It's not the first time he's dealt with him. He's, he's helped him, if he would. All of Joshua's childhood and through to his adulthood, he was Moses' aide. He'd been discipled by Moses. And I think it's clear that God chose Joshua to take over for Moses because Joshua was a man of faith. He was a man who believed in God and he had proved his faith in God on numerous occasions. He proved it in the battle with the Amalekites as he prevailed in his bravery. He proved it in the secret reconnaissance that they did into the promised land when he came back with Caleb and they were the only two that believed God was able to overcome all the adversity and the giants, if you were, that were in the land. Now that was then, but this is now. God says, Moses, my servant, is dead and as much as he was a father figure to you, now that you don't have him to lean on, what you have to learn and understand that your faith and our faith doesn't rest on man. It doesn't rest on any man or what any man can do. And so for this command and for all things spiritual, what we need to understand is that our faith rests on the God who is able. If you look at verse 5, God says to Joshua, nobody is going to be able to oppose you. They're not going to be able, if you would, to undo what I've called you to do because I, the God who is able, the Almighty God, is able to do all that I have promised to you. And so we, we understand 
that while the promises are important, what is really important is the God who made the promises and that we begin by putting our faith in that God. Now, if I were to show you an acorn this morning and say, this acorn is an oak tree. You might look at me and say, really? But it really is. All that acorn has to do is to go in the ground and die and be changed and transformed and remain in the ground, abide there, and over the years it will become an oak tree. Now, when we talk about being strong and being courageous, what I'd like you to understand this morning is that this command is for all of us, men and women, boys and girls, young and old. For all our lives are going to be intermixed with situations that are going to demand that we be strong and courageous. Situations where we have to, if you would, stand for Christ when everybody stands against Him. Situations where our peer group wants us to do something we know we should not have want to do and we have to stand against them. Situations where the financial security of ourselves and our family is in doubt and we're going to have to trust God. We have to be brave and courageous in the midst of that. Life is going to have those kind of events throughout from beginning to end. So this whole issue of being strong and courageous is not just something we're addressing because of COVID or what we're going through with the coronavirus, but it's something we need for all of our lives. Now, if you would, think back to that acorn. Think about what God tells us about us. In the New Testament, it says we're an old, a new creation. The old has been buried, the old is gone, and the new has come. Every one of you who trusts Christ this morning is a new creation. And in you, by being that new creation, is all the potential that we need to become what God is calling us to become. You see, that was where it began for Joshua, and that's where it begins for us. You see, having faith is the doing of being. Joshua's learned that. And now he's going to learn some more about what he needed to do to be strong and courageous. He would learn that he needed to trust the promises of God. In verses 3 and 4, God reminds him of the promises, the promises that had been made to the forefathers, that had been made to Moses, that he was going to be the one who would lead them in to the promised land. He would be the one who would lead them across the Jordan. And so Joshua is considering those promises. He had seen what God had done through Moses. He had seen God make walls of water stand. And he would soon see God make walls of stone fall. Now we have an advantage to Joshua. And that advantage is that we have had thousands and thousands of years of God keeping his promises. From the beginning when he promised in Eden, 
that the seed of woman would come and bruise the heel of the serpent to that fulfillment in Christ. We have seen it over and over again in history, and we see it over and over again in our lives and in the lives of others. We have seen the promises of God fulfilled. And so we trust those promises for our immediate needs. God tells, Moses, God tells Joshua to follow in the footsteps of Moses, to do that and to do it now. And so it's the day-to-day thing where we trust the promises of God for our day-to-day needs. We follow in those footsteps, and as we do that, I would really say to you simply this, in doing God's will and trusting those promises, what we find out is that God's will is being done in our lives by His providence. It is unfolding as we follow. And the Christian life, as many of us know who are older, is a long journey. It's a journey of footsteps over the years, one after the other, and each one should be taken in faith. And as we learn that, we don't only trust God's promises for our immediate needs, we trust God's promises for our future needs. Consider, if you would, the size of the promise that God is talking to Joshua about. He says it's the whole promised land that you're going to begin to lead the people of Israel into. And in the end, that promised land is going to go from the Euphrates River on the east all the way to the Mediterranean Sea on the west. Now, this won't take uh, fulfillment in Joshua's time. It'll be completed under the reign of Solomon. But God is saying to Joshua, you need to trust me for the whole thing. And that's what he's saying to us. We not only need to trust God and his promises for our day-to-day lives, but we need to trust God for the whole of our lives, for the entirety of our lives, even down to eternal life. Now, if any of you know any pilots and if you talk to any pilots and uh, you say to them, what do you do when visibility is bad? When you can't see the horizon and all you can see is clouds and you're not sure whether you're leaning to the left or leaning to the right. Every pilot that I've ever known says, you trust your instruments and not your feelings. Right now, our short-term visibility is not good. We're not really sure when we're going to gather again. This situation causes me uncertainty and insecurity. Maybe you can even identify with that. So in these kind of times when our feelings are, if you would, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, should we trust our feelings or should we trust the promise of God who holds the future? So the reality is, no matter how long we remain in this fog of uncertainty, there's nothing uncertain about the promises of God that we are called to trust, and so we should trust them. There is nothing, nothing in its whole creation that is going to be able to stand against what God has promised us in His Word. And so you see, trusting is the doing is the being, trusting is the doing of being. You know, when I picked that title, I wanted to make sure I didn't get it confused. But here we are, believing, having faith 
in the person of God is the doing of being and trusting in the promises of God is also the doing of being. Well, knowing that and those promises, just as a pilot does, what does he do with his instrument? Well, he obeys the instrument. And so what God calls Joshua to do next is to obey his precepts, to obey his word, to obey what he has given to him. In verse 7, it talks about being careful to follow them, careful not to depart from them. Don't turn to the right and don't turn to the left. Now, this is not a new legalism. This is the wisdom of God. This is us understanding what God has said we are to do is, in fact, the true instrumentation for our life to keep us on course. His word is, in fact, a lamp unto our feet to guide us on those footsteps where we are supposed to trust him. And so when he talks about obeying, he says to Joshua, literally, you need to make sure you know them. He said, don't let this word depart from your mouth. Make sure literally it's on your tongue because when we need it, we need to be able to speak it. We need to be able, if you would, to say it. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus did when he was tempted? He had the word ready in response to that temptation so that he, in that situation, could be strong and courageous. But not only did Joshua need to know them, he needed to make sure that he was known by them. God says, meditate on this. Roll it around in your head. Roll it around in your heart. If you would, internalize it. The New Testament would say to us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I would go so far as to say, we have to really be willing to invite the double-edged sword of the word of God into our lives to do its work. Not to stay away from it, but to go to it and find out what God wants from us, what he requires of us. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, a lot of us are sort of afraid to going to see the doctor. We're afraid that we're going to find out things about our condition that we really don't want to find out. <laughs> we're going to find out we have to have things done that we're not really sure that we want to have done. But nevertheless, being afraid to go isn't helping our personal situation. I mean, I've had a lot of experiences with that. Having had multiple strokes, I've wrestled over the past couple years with my blood pressure. And in fact, I'm convinced at this point in time, I create my own white coat syndrome with my fear of a bad reading on the blood pressure machine. And my stay-at-home professional medical consultant trying to help me made a sign and put it on my monitor and said, we are good friends. That sign didn't change my fear at all. When I put that machine on in front of me and put that cuff on, I still have to wrestle with that issue. It's getting better. But the fact of the matter is we face all those kinds of things all the time.
And we're called in those situations and others to be strong and to be courageous. Now, ever since all this started, believe it or not, before it started, I went to the gym every day. But after this started, they closed the gym down. And so I had a choice. I can either stop taking care of myself and stop exercising or do something in place of it. Now, we're working with digital substitutes, if you would, to reproduce our worship experience. And this morning, as you listen to me, what you hear was recorded the day before. But nonetheless, it's still mediated by the power of God. It's still the Word of God that's coming to you. It's the Word of God that's calling you to obey it, to obey, if you would, the Word of God. And so we've gone through a couple steps. First, that believing in the person of God is the doing of being, and trusting the promise of God is also the doing of being. And now we see that for Joshua and for us, obeying the precept of God is also the doing of being. Now, all these things with their social distancing and the isolation that we have have their limitations. But there's one thing that all of this cannot limit, the thing that is essential and the thing that God is going to remind Joshua of with the most emphasis he can say. And he's going to say literally to Joshua and to you and to me, live in the presence of God. Live in the presence of God. Notice that in the text, God does not say to Joshua, follow me, tag along with me, make sure you're close to me. Twice, he says in verses 5 and 9, he says, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The issue is not whether God's going to leave or forsake us. The question is whether we're going to leave or forsake God. Remember what Nate told you last week in his sermon? He said that Jesus left his disciples not to leave them alone, but that they wouldn't be alone, that the Holy Spirit would come and be with them. What was promised to Joshua and what Joshua saw in reality was fulfilled when Christ poured out the Spirit on his church. Jesus said it to his disciples in the Great Commission. The New Testament says to us over and over again, don't fear, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. For you see, the reality in all this be strong and courageous is the fact that God said, I will go with you. And that's our present reality, that wherever we are, whatever we are doing, we are never alone. There's no place, no matter how it feels, where we can go, that God is not with us. And not only is it our present hope, it is our future hope to live in the presence of God. The reality is, wherever the footsteps of our lives take us, we will never be alone. Have you ever watched a child that has an imaginary friend? They act like this friend is real. They talk to this friend. They pretend they're listening to this friend. 
They make sure this friend has a seat at the table. And as far as they're concerned, this is reality. We need to live in the presence of God, that He is there with us, that He's talking to us through His Word, that He's listening to us as we pray, that He's joining us at the Lord's Supper. He's joining us even as we sit down with one another to eat our meals. He's interceding for us. It is that presence of God we are called to live in. God's promise to Joshua was that he would never leave him and that he would never forsake him. That wherever Joshua went, God had been there before him and God would be there with him. Joshua's learning and we should be learning that living, living in the presence of God is the doing of being. So, faith in the person of God, believing in the person of God, trusting in the promises of God, obeying the precepts in the Word of God, and living in the presence of God are the things that we do to be strong and courageous. Now, most of you probably know that Joshua means Yahweh is salvation. And if you translate it from the Hebrew to the Greek, you get Jesus. And as far as I'm concerned, the bravest, most courageous person in all of the Bible is the man, Jesus Christ. The God-man, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. When I recall, when I read, when I meditate on what he did and what he overcame to help us cross the Jordan and get into the Promised Land, he was clearly the bravest and the most courageous of all. In my sanctified imagination, I can imagine as the sun is about ready to leave the realms of heaven, to be incarnate as a man. I can almost hear the Father saying to him, Son, be strong and courageous. Now, how would I back that up? I back that up because as I look at the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what his life was. He believed in his Father. He believed in God. He trusted His promises, what He was going to do through Him. He trusted Him to the absolute limit, the last measure of devotion and service, and He obeyed Him. He obeyed His Word, He obeyed His precepts to prepare Himself as a sacrifice, and then He lived continuously in the presence of God. He was always relating to his father. And because he lived like that, the book of Hebrews says that he learned, if you would, discipline through the things that he suffered, that he learned what it was to be strong and courageous. So when the moment of great testing came, he was strong and courageous. Even Jesus the man lived through this. He knew fear. He followed the prescription God gave 
to Joshua. In fact, he was the prescription. He did it himself. Now, did you ever have, and you were growing up, a scary place? Maybe it was a dark bedroom when all the lights went on, or maybe a basement, or, or maybe an attic, or maybe the garage, some place when you were alone and there wasn't any light, you found it frightening. There was a place like that in my memory as a childhood. There was a swamp behind the house where we lived. And in the daytime, it was a place of great adventure and imagination. All kinds of games were played there as if we were in some foreign jungle living our life. But there was a shortcut that ran through the swamp. And in those days, there was no artificial illumination. And at night, it was good to take that shortcut. But at night, when the lights were out, that swamp became a pretty scary place. And I would start walking on that shortcut with steps. It wouldn't be long before my imagination would get the best of me, and I was running through that shortcut just to get through it and get out of that place. But if I was going to take that shortcut and my dad was with me, well, I just walked casually and calmly because I knew that the one who was with me was greater than anything my imagination even could come up with in that swamp. And so, as we face all these kinds of things in our lives, and as we hear God say to us, be strong and be courageous, what we need to hear first and foremost is that he says, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We need to live in the presence of God. So as you and I tend to be fearful and dismayed, even like Joshua was, what can we do to be strong and courageous? Well, my answer is, join me in living the doing of being just as the Lord told Joshua to do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are not naturally strong and courageous. I am not. I know that. And for all those events of life and tests that lay behind and lay ahead, I confess that you are the one who is sufficient. You are the one who not only helps us through it, but sometimes you just flat carry us through it. And so I pray this morning for everyone who is listening that they might hear your word and understand as we appropriate what you have told us to do, you will be the one that will make us strong and courageous and we will be what you have called us to be. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.